You're listening to The Big Show with George Russick. Maybe mm-hmm. they'll actually draft with that third-round pick, but they could potentially use that as an... Today, Junior! Ammunition. Thank you. Mm. And Matty Rose. I said, I'm leaving. He said, we're going to the casino. <laughs> and then we all went to the casino. Well, we had to tickle the felt a yeah, little bit. Obviously, we had to. On Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Oh, hi there. Hour two. The Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Hey, The Big Show at the Heritage Classic. Myself and young Matthew... We'll be hosting a live show from Edmonton. We're going to Edmonton. This Sunday, October 29th from 2 to 4 p.m. Brought to you by Tuxedo Sorcerer Sports. Come see why Calgarians continue to choose them for all things hockey. 2520 Center Street North. We're going to be there. The Heritage Classic. Watching two struggling teams. Flames lose 3-0 last night to the St. Louis Blues. Woof. Oof. Frank Cervalli, um, NHL sleuth for Daily Faceoff. He's going to join us coming up at 7.30. I love that Dumas writing that. In the sleuth. sleuth. Well, he hated the term insider, so. Um, Let's see how he feels about sleuth. And um, Brent Cron, Calgary sporting legend. Uh, he's our uh, Flames analyst. He joins us after every Flames game. And he'll join us in studio at 8 o'clock coming up. Like we... That's it for the rest of the season. Like, we had a big announcement mm-hmm. earlier this week. We have a sponsorship tied to it. Mm-hmm. We're excited to have Croner in. And uh, we'll get his take on uh, Matt Devlin saying Winkler. <laughs> that was. Oh, awesome. and on the Flames. Oh, yeah. How they yeah, lost 3 so nothing. Um, So, Flames lose 3 nothing last night in a game that was joyless, if you're a Flames fan. Um, it was super frustrating. It was super aggravating. And at least... You know, the, the players and the coaching staff are acknowledging what's going on. Mm-hmm. Terrible start to the season. Mm-hmm. This has pretty much been worst case scenario for this team. Yeah, I think that's probably pretty fair. Like, two wins. That's it. And a lot of, like, the only thing that I think from last year that isn't a glaring issue so far is the net minding. Apart from that, it, it seems to be some things that were also issues last year that have not necessarily been... Fixed, changed, dressed, however you want to go about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, scoring, mm-hmm. or lack thereof, mm-hmm. is another gigantic issue for the Flames. At least Jacob Markstrom's been good so far this season. A um, lot of interesting stuff post-game. A lot of uh, stuff that a lot of uh, fans on social media were gravitating to last night after the game. What do you got for us? Uh, what do you got some interesting tidbits for us here post-game? As far as post-game, there was a few things. Like the first person that we heard from yesterday was Nikita Zadorov. And, Who's uh, like the mouthpiece of this team now, apparently. Apparently. Um, like we all knew that he was bluntly honest to start. And um, I think that that's the reason that he gets requested when you're looking for someone to, I guess, be honest. Uh, this is how he opened up his chat yesterday. Just want to apologize to our fans. Playing like shit right now, so it's tough to watch. And no doubt tough to hear when you hear the booze and you hear um, the displeasure. Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing with Kilgarians. I think they're pretty honest with you right away, so um, they'll let you know right away. And, I mean, that's not what we want to hear, definitely. You never like to start things off with an apology to your fans. Yeah. But that's how we started with Nikita Zadorov yesterday. 
And you know what? If you paid money to go watch that game last night, you have every right to boo the S out of this team last night. And even after what? The first... Where there was booing after the there was a smattering of boos after the first period. After the second. After the second, it really got loud. And then the third period, people, whoever was left, were booing the team as they deserve mm-hmm. to boo the team. Because you look at last night's game. Like what? Was there one positive you could take away? Markstrom, Greer, fighting. I don't know. Not really. That's pretty much it. No, and it's what's been the case with this group. Uh, Soloviev. Soloviev made his NHL debut. Didn't look out of place. Took a stupid cross-checking penalty, but whatever. Whatever. It's it's like... Welcome to the NHL. Yeah. Good for A.J. Greer doing what he's like. But it's like, hey, I really liked A.J. Greer's game, or I really like these guys on the fourth line, or... I really like Elias that's a Solovyov's problem. game. That's a problem. Like, and that's been a problem since, like, over the last two years. It's like, like where the hell is Dylan Dubé? Where, the, like, where is these guys? Like, like, guys in the other top six in here in this group needs to step up. Like, I don't understand why it's just constantly just, like, uh, like, Dubé doesn't get, isn't hitting enough right now. I don't know. It's just, it's frustrating. It's so frustrating. One of the other things that was very big this week was prior to the Tuesday game when Nikita Zadorov said this. We're, uh, we have too many individuals playing by themselves, so I think we just we got to figure out if we want to play as the team or if we want to play as the home guy. So that was said prior to Tuesday's game. Since then, they've lost two contests. Um, he was asked if he had seen improvements in those areas after yesterday's contest. I mean, that's not what I brought up against the team. I said, we have to play as the team. I didn't call anybody out or I didn't call anybody selfish on our team. There's 23 guys in here. They all have their heart on the table and they all playing their nuts off. It just doesn't go our way. So I think we just uh, got to stick to it, work hard. I think the hard work for sure is going to pay off. He went on to talk about how he believes they have skilled position players and that they can create offense, but right now... It's just not working for the group, and they have to try and play more as a team, which we have not seen so far this year. Effort uh, is an interesting word to me. Did that look like last night they were giving full effort? No. No. No, no, no. And listen, uh, Ryan Huska talked a lot about that yesterday. Um, As far as that, that was the main thing that the head coach kind of pointed to when he was done with the game and can you blame him at all? Like that, that was something that stood out a lot. Mackenzie Weger had a, a little bit of a look at it and this is what we've talked about before. And I find that football is one of the places that this matters the most, but you try and break down the will of the opposition. Like you make it so that they don't want to go over the boards. You make it so they don't want to line up for the next snap. And Mackenzie Weger felt like their will was broken in the third period of last night's game. You know, I know that we got to compete and we got work ethic. And, you know, I think tonight, um, you know, it almost felt in the third period, they just kind of broke our will. Um, uh, that's one thing that, you know, you got pride in this. You, you got one thing and it's pride. And, you know, I think they, they kind of, they broke our will tonight. And you could kind of tell in the third period that, you know, we were just, we couldn't, we couldn't get anything going. But, you know, you got to keep your head high in this league. You know, if you keep banging your head, you keep, you know, hanging your head, it's just going to make it worse and things are going to spiral. You got to get back to it. And, you know, it's a new day tomorrow. You know, it's no fun answering you guys like this. It's tough. Um, You know, but we come back tomorrow and we work our ass off. And and that's all we can do. Now, what 
is maybe like that's fine if that is how you feel um it's never really great to hear that like even if that's the fact you don't really like to hear it um and then ryan huska was asked about the will being broken in the third period after the game when he spoke to the media no i i thought that was long gone before that point in time oh boy do you have any sense of why the performance was what it was um yeah there was a lack of work ethic you know, as to why there is a lack of work ethic, that one I have to spend a little time figuring that one out. So then that that stands out because it feels like there's been a couple of instances. You can even go back to what Coleman said after the Rangers game where he kind of said, you know, I disagree with Nikita Zadorov said. Um, and granted, you know, Zadorov's words might have ne- necessarily been what he meant. But... That's now two instances this week where you have had people on the team say one thing and then someone else on the team say, I don't necessarily feel the same way. Which yeah. to me feels like an issue. Like we we sit here and we play a lot of uh, post-game stuff and what Zadorov said was, was was newsworthy and a lot of fans you know, had, had, had comments about it and, and they like when, when players are honest about their effort and stuff. But like a lot of this already this season, it's like just show me on the ice a little bit more here. Like you can talk all you want. Uh in the words of uh legendary Sylvia. Talk's you know, cheap. It, it, it takes money to buy whiskey. Yeah, that's right. Like if if that doesn't hold any truer words, like again, all I'm hearing is we need to work hard, we need to do this. Like, how do you get your will broken in game eight of the season by the blues? who are equally as, you know, got up, are off to a slow start like you are. It was the Spider-Man meme last night, watching those two teams play. You know, just trying to play tight defensively, not generating too much offense, and just watching the Flames play last night, it's just so frustrating. One of the things that I think is frustrating with this team is the way that they can't seem to put passes together, to understand where their teammates are going to be, to create lanes. I think that they broadcast where they're going to pass way too easy and things are constantly getting picked off. They're disconnected right now and that's something that Uyghur also talked about. You know, we're just disconnected I think, you know, in the D zone, neutral zone, offensive zone, I think you know, we're having trouble scoring, you know, we have trouble, you know, sort of breaking the puck out at times we have trouble in the neutral zone, you know, we're just we're disconnected right now, but you know, it's, you know, there's one thing, you know, that you know, it's a privilege to play in the NHL right now um, you know, I don't. I don't want anybody to forget that. I think you know you got 20 guys in here that know it's a tough league. You got to earn it. You got to earn to be in this room and to be out there. And um, you know, I think we need to remember that. And um, you know, the only way we're going to get out of this is with the group of guys. And we got to grab a hold of this now and, and end it. Disconnected, and I would agree in full. Uh, you know, practice. Uh, you know, we got to have a, you know competitive practice. Um, you know, we got to talk it through. More video. Um, you know, more guys speaking up if, if you know, there's a gray area, um, things like that. Uh, we just got to get on the same page, um, and, and we will. Uh, you know, I have faith in that. I believe that. Um, but it's it's a tough time right now. Yeah. Is there is there a sense of not mm, poorly cut? My bad. That's but, yeah. fine. Um, it's just the frustration is just boiling over. Uh, for everybody, and we're only eight. Like that's the thing that that really just I can't wrap my head around. It's only eight games in the season. There's still lots of time to turn this thing around. Mm-hmm. It's just when you watch this team, like what what do you see that can can turn around? Like what are you seeing 
from somebody who can take this team and, and carry it on the shoulders for two or three games and get them out of this funk. Like, who is that player? Outside of Markstrom getting a shutout the next three games in a row, like, who's that guy? Who's that guy right now on this team that they can depend on to go out there and make something happen for this team? I always say this uh, in beer league to my goalie. Hey, if you get a shutout tonight, the worst we can do is tie. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's true. That's a good point. That's essentially what it is with Markstrom. Hey, can you just get a shutout for us? Because then we might actually win this game or at least get a point. Because that's where we're at with this team right now. Yeah, and a lot of the players that you would look to need to basically do a full 180 turn back into the player that we know that we can be. Like, I was thinking about this as walking home yesterday. One of the things that I think is most frustrating to Flames fans about Huberto and about Kadri is that you know that they can succeed. Right before coming to Calgary, Jonathan Huberto, 113-point season. Borderline MVP. Right before he comes to Calgary. Second line center, outstanding player, wins a Stanley Cup. Yep. You missed out on the best of these players, and you are seeing a shadow of themselves right now, and that is the most frustrating part of it all. Uh, it is definitely frustrating. Um, the fans are frustrated. Mm-hmm. They're very frustrated right now. That's all that we're seeing. They've had enough, essentially. Um, Melancholy Malcolm hasn't been on the show in a while. I think it's time. Um, if you're new to the program, Melancholy Malcolm is our um, he's our English fellow who likes to read some text messages mm. uh, from angry Flames fans. He's a bit of a succubus. He feeds uh, off he, negative he feeds energy. off negativity and sadness of fan bases in in this country. Mm. So um, he picked out a few Flames tweets from last night, and uh, he wants to share it with us uh, today. Um, you ready for Melancholy Malcolm's um, triumphant return to the big show? Sure. Uh, GVP, uh, let's uh, let's hear him. At Life of Eggs. Up late watching Macklin Celebrini tape and he is a special talent. Hashtag flames. Okay. At 10066. Where the heck is all the leadership from Backland now? Hashtag Big Z for Captain. Hashtag Flames. Okay. Hashtag Why Couldn't We Suck Like This Last Year for Bitard. Okay. Wouldn't have been bad enough. At Ben Boulder. Petition to make dome foams cheaper if you're gonna make us watch that sh- <laughs> Hashtag Sea of Red. That's hashtag a fair point. Flames. To make what cheaper, cheaper beers. Yeah. Yeah. At OG488. Anyone ready to acknowledge that Daryl Sutter was the reason this team had as much success as it did? Hashtag Flames. At the stash is gone. The inevitable four times three million dollar Dubay extension is going to actually break my soul. Hashtag Flames. Wow, Dubay getting some shade there. At Scooter Mario. I love the Flames so much. What they're doing to me these days is just a test of my endearment. I won't quit you. I wish I knew how to quit you. Hashtag flames. Good for him. Love it. At ED Bites. Only 648 more games left of Huberto. Hashtag oh flames. God. Oh my god. When you put it like that. At flames stamps. <laughs> oh boy. I was so wrong. <laughs> Perhaps the worst performance we've seen since the Young Guns era. Huberdeau is a $10.5 million Val Burray. 
just way less exciting. Hashtag flames. Oh boy. Mr. Candace Cameron. Yeah. Oh, there. Nope. Oh, I thought there was one more there. Oh, okay. That was tough. Tough for Flames fans. Watching Macklin Celebrini tape, eh? Yeah. Uh, that was tough for Flames fans. <laughs> um, it's not only tough for Flames fans in this province. It's tough for Oilers fans up north. Um, Melancholy's like, hey, um, you know, I was looking at uh, Flames tweets, but I also looked at some Oilers tweets oh, from last good. night. Oh, good. After their loss to the Rangers last oh, night. Oh, are you? You didn't. Um, Melancholy. Do you have oh, do you have some Edmonton Oilers yes. tweets from last night? Yeah, yes. you do. At Hailboy ninety nine. No, it, it's in Pretty sports. Savage, it's, hold on, it's in sports. GVP. This is the one you put. No, is it? Yes. Yeah, the Oilers edition, edition does not have a bed under it. Yeah, yeah. Is it really? Well, I got one with a bed. I made one for you then. No, hang on. Uh, All right. Okay, go ahead. Green Lakes. Shane Pinto should start betting on how long it'll take for this team to win another game. Oh wait Hashtag a minute! Let's go Oilers. <laughs> At Hailboy ninety nine. Pretty savage, you're trying to take the first overall pick away from the Sharks for the next draft. <laughs> Hashtag let's go Oilers. At the weirdest fish. One third period goal on the season so far. Holy f***. What happened to this team? Hashtag let's go Oilers. At Brando Barrett 89. Coach Q is on his way, folks. Hashtag let's go Oilers. Coach Q. Oh, okay. Coach Q. At Aaron May 79. Hashtag let's go Oilers. I'm headed up to E-Town for the Heritage Classic. Bringing some sage, salt, holy water, candles, and some prayer beads. Time to right this ship. Out demons. Out. Please, Lord, help me to release this demon! At Dynasty Puck, to be fair, they did say couple bust. At Edmonton Oilers. Hashtag let's go Oilers. That's true. They're just leaning into one rather than the other. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. All right. They're busting. Hmm. The Shane Pinto one yes. was a little inappropriate, yeah. but. Well, one of my favorite tweets I saw yesterday was from a Canucks fan putting together a Bet365 account under the name Tyler Myers. <laughs> <laughs> hey, wow. Tyler Myers is betting on the Canucks. Yeah. Get him out of here. Yeah. Wow. NHL, look at this. <laughs> Come look, quick. Oh, that's funny. 41 games. Get oh, oh, boy. Get oh, boy. Um, well, there's Melancholy Malcolm. Yeah, great news. Mm. Uh, reading tweets of the Oilers and Flames fans. Hopefully, we don't have to hear from him for a while because then the Flames are doing well. Yeah, that, that but would. But we also like to hear from when the Oilers be, aren't. That would be the assumed idea. Uh, Frank Saravalli next. Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Oh, hi there. It's the Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. At the top of the hour, the Chronolist. The Mentalist. <laughs> yes, The Mentalist. I love The Mentalist. Yeah, you do love that show. <laughs> Starring, what's his name? That handsome gentleman, Simon what? Oh, God. Come on, Patrick. Peg. Um, so, yes. yes. No, Baker. Simon Baker. <laughs> yeah. Simon Peg is The Mentalist. <laughs> also, um, Simon, that would also be great. Oh, yeah. oh, Frank texted me. Oh, is he live? Sorry, need two minutes. Phone, please. Oh, okay. okay. So uh, Breaking something. 
Frank Cervalli's going to join I'm us. I'm going to look. What's his Twitter? What's his Twitter <laughs> saying? Yeah. NHL sleuth for Pull daily faceoff uh, is going to join us momentarily. Uh, we'll get his thoughts on the whole Shane Pinto 41 game suspension for gambling. Let's see, he reposted a Zach Cassian retirement. Yeah, he's gone. <laughs> oh, he wow. sure Congratulations is. to Zach Cassian on a nice NHL career. Yeah. yeah. Um, don't be don't be jerks. <laughs> yeah, don't be jerks. <laughs> um, what did you we'll call get... it? A great NHL career. I know, no, like congratulations on retirement. Oh, yeah. 661 games. Yeah, yeah good yeah, for him. Yeah. Listen, you play one game in the NHL. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of you guys that never even got to play in the That's right. Game in the oh, NHL it was my knee. I got a knee injury. How many beer league guys you talk to and get a knee injury? Oh, if it wasn't for my knee, I would have made it to the show. All right. You know what my favorite Zach Cassian moment is? Okay. Um, okay, I, I, I'm trying to play a clip here. Oh, GVP's on the I get There we go. No, doesn't want to get hit, then stay off the tracks. Yeah, that would be it. <laughs> okay, it's not bad. That would be it. It's not bad. Dion? No, that was Matthew Kachuk. Oh, it was Matthew uh, Kachuk. Yeah. Okay. No, doesn't want to get hit, then oh, stay right. off the tracks. Remember yeah. when he caught him coming around the yes. net twice? Yes. <laughs> such a, How can I forget? Such a goon play. Come down from the wall to a place where wingers should never be hanging out and just <laughs> clobber a guy that's way bigger than you. <laughs> so Matthew Kachuk. Um, oh, that was the goalie fight day, wasn't yeah, it? Oh, that yeah. was the day. Yeah, okay. that was, just before the world shut yeah, down. Oh, yeah. It was um, chaos. Frank Cervalli, NHL sleuth for Daily Faceoff, joins us. Brought to you by South Trail Exports. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit South Trail Exports. <laughs> Com. Mr. Frank, good morning. How are you? Uh, better than the two teams in Alberta. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, I want to get to that, obviously, in one sec, but uh, how the hell did the Phillies lose that series? Yeah, that's... Come on, we're past that now. We can't <laughs> Are, how we past that? We haven't talked to you since they were out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that one really hurt. I mean... <laughs> Down, down, or up two nothing in the series, up three two in the series, and your bats just go cold at the absolute worst time with the best home field advantage in baseball. I mean, it was that one was a tough one to eat. Um, what do you think of the whole Mad Dog Russo thing? Not retiring when he said he was going to retire. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, if you're going to make a ridiculous statement like last year. Our guy uh, at Daily Faceoff, Tyler Uremchuk, said if the Bruins didn't make the playoffs, that he would eat cat food. Yep. Well, there he was, mm-hmm. eating cat food at the end of the season. <laughs> okay, I like that. I remember so, that. So yep. good. You, you got you, you got to do it if you say it. <laughs> yep, okay. All right. Sorry. I mean, nope. it was awesome to watch, too. <laughs> yeah. Someone yeah. gagging eating cat food live on air. Yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> didn't you travel up for that? No, I, I, but I made sure I was on okay. on, no, okay. uh, on camera and watching. Yeah. Um, I was talking about uh, this earlier, Frank. Um, just watching the Flames game last night, it was a very joyless experience. It was tough to watch, mm. and, and and it's a lot of just hope plays, Frank. They just hope they can generate something offensively. Like, can you take anything away so far, positive wise? Like. For this team, like I think maybe Markstrom has been good, but outside of Markstrom and maybe flashes from Backlund, Giovanni, sure, yeah. all right, I can buy that a little just, bit. Uh, if we're comparing to last year, yeah, I mean I'm I'm searching here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm looking. It's tough. So, 
here's my thing. I didn't see the game last night. I'm in Edmonton and I was at the Oiler game and the best way that I could, I could explain the start for both of these teams this season, you said joyless. Yeah. What stands out to me is how lifeless it is. Mm. Remember like, like it feels like forever ago now, but we're talking like three, four weeks ago, I was in Calgary and we were talking about how good the vibes were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How everyone's smiling, light, laughing, excited, hungry, ready to go. They were embracing the idea of being an underdog team this year. And three weeks in, they've shown signs of cracking. Nikita Zadarov says what he said this week. Blake Coleman tries to walk it back for him. Uh Ryan Huska, he doesn't even know what to say after last night's game. Other than that, it was no good. Um, the one thing that both of these teams, which it sets up an unbelievable Heritage Classic in, in the opposite way of what you'd expect, two teams <laughs> with expectations this year. You mentioned hope, and the thing that, both of these teams are now grasping for heading into Sunday outside is hope that a different setting, a different environment will set their season on a different path. Because the one thing that both of these teams can control is work ethic and effort. And that's the one thing that I haven't really seen from either team to start. It's easy to say, but Frank, why? Like, what you just said couldn't couldn't ring more true. That yeah, it it was it was Daryl. Like you got to get Daryl out of here. They got to change the whole you know culture of this team. It has to be a more positive environment. Like where do you go from here now? You change the coach. You change the general manager. Um, now what? Like this was a players only thing that they wanted the coach out and they want to play for this guy. But now what? Like, where, where's the excuse now? Where's the finger pointing now? It just feels like they're just spinning their wheels. And I tweeted it out earlier this week. Like, that game on Tuesday uh, felt like game 89 of the season. Last night's game felt like game 90 of last season, too. Like, I just, I just don't see a difference from last year when there should be a difference from last year. Something stinks. And I don't know what it is. I'm not in there on a daily basis. But when you have a player three weeks into the season publicly, like these are cracks that normally surface in March and April for teams that struggle. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing that he's voicing it. I'm saying it's a bad thing that three weeks in, that's the most telling part of this season so far is Nikita Zadarov and his comments. Nazem Kadri showed a little bit of it last year when – I talked to him on my pod at the All-Star Weekend, and he said, we'll be, we'll be better if we play as a team. We'll make the playoffs if we play as a team. There's something in there that stinks, and I don't know what it is. It may be way more than one person or one thing, but they've got to figure out, and this is an overused word. It's a buzzword that's always out there. There's a culture thing that they've got to sort through, a chemistry thing, and get that right because I I don't have any question that they've got the right people leading this team. But when you do make those changes and you cut out those people that were the so-called issues and everyone acknowledged, including Nikita Zadarov point blank, 
Daryl's gone. No more excuses now. It points back squarely on the players, and I don't know what that fix is, and it can't just be as simple as saying, oh, well, some guys don't like this one guy and he needs to go, but something needs to happen. And we keep watching Kadri and Huberto on the ice. I know after the game, Ryan Husky said, listen, it's not those two who are the only problem right now, but those two are some of the guys that are getting paid the most, and that's why the question is about those two. Like, what are you seeing on the ice from them that is so drastically different from when they were both having success in their pre- in their prior homes? I can't put my finger on it, but it's abundantly obvious that there's no chemistry there. Mm. And I think the tough part when you sort through some of the other different combos and you look at, you know, Huberto and Lindholm, for instance, or whatever it might be, that hasn't worked either. And I don't know what it is related to style of play and why that isn't connecting, but you would think even just going back to when the transactions were made, like, I mean, we remember what the thought process was, Hey, we're taking one of the best playmakers in the league and Johnny Gaudreau who had an unreal season and we're swapping him out for Jonathan Huberto who had an excellent season in his own right. These two guys are elite, elite passers and playmakers. Why wouldn't this just be a seamless fit? And the answer is it doesn't always work like that. It's not copy and paste. That's not how you can put together uh, chemistry and make it work. And so it's been really hard to find. Um, Frank, I know it's, I, I kind of mentioned this at six o'clock. I just want to get your thoughts. At what point, because that, that Huberto contract is an absolute albatross, like, again, uh, 10-plus million, I get all of that. But to me, uh, a guy like Kadri, it's a lot less of a cap hit. At what point does he say to himself or the organization say, just ain't working here? Like, w- what do we do here? At what point, I know he's got a no move and I get it, but at what point does the player say, I'm just, I'm just not myself here. Maybe I need a change. Like, where does it get to that point? You think we could see that point here this season? I, I mean, I think it's possible. I wouldn't put it out of the realm of possibility. I mean, it'd be a difficult transaction to make. There's no doubt about that. But um, it, it's it's going to take some – and this this answer as what I'm saying next is not just linked to Kadri, but it's going to take a lot of soul-searching here because the plan for the last number of weeks – just from a front office perspective has been to get a lot of these guys extended and, and bring them back. And I, I think now the way you ha- you came up with the perfect description, game 89, game 90, an extension of last season. I think now you have to significantly and seriously question if that's the right approach moving forward, because you do have some evidence now that, it doesn't really feel all that different and it's a small sample size and it can change, but you also have to, you know, when we judge character, one of the things people always say is when someone is telling you who you are, you have to listen. And there's a bit of feel of that with the flames is like, I think we all think that the collection of players is better than what they've shown. But at some point, if they reveal themselves to be a collection of individuals as opposed to a team, 
then the results are going to be what they are. One of the things that we've wondered about here when discussing the two different paths the Flames can kind of take within and after this season, either trying to stay competitive with this group, which seems more unlikely by the day, or or trying to tear it down to whatever extent ownership will allow, the question was always, is this team you've, is this team too good to truly bottom out? If they take away some key pieces like Hannafin, like Lindholm, are they still too good to bottom out and, and be a team that is in a sweepstakes for a Celebrini or an Iserman or even down the road, someone that's kind of in the top of the lottery? Well, if you've seen the Sharks play this year, the answer to that is yes. <laughs> uh, so um, to get to a point in the future, if they wanted to, I mean, I'm sure they could find a way. I, I just don't ever think that's ever going to be in this ownership group's mandate. Look at what's going on in Winnipeg, okay? You heard the comments this past week from their CEO, Mark Chipman, basically saying our attendance is sagging. We've got a spot in the marketplace where we feel like we need to ice a competitive team every night. I, Calgary's way bigger. Their arena's way bigger. But I don't view it as, and I think here's not even my opinion is what matters. I don't think ownership views it as one where they feel like they can truly dedicate themselves to a five to eight year plan to tear it down. I just, I don't foresee that coming on the horizon anytime soon. And if that's the case, and I know that this frustrates fans maybe more than anything, if that is the case, then you're going to have to try and find creative solutions elsewhere, which is why the, and Calgary's not unique in this. Like, let me be abundantly clear. Vancouver does this. Like, look at, at the moves over the last 10 years from Jim Benning to Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvine. The common thread when you change regimes and the mandate stays the same is not the guy at the controls pushing the buttons. It's the guy above him telling him what inputs to put in. And and that's really the critical part of this to keep in mind is it's not necessarily always on the GM and they've got some different things that they're trying to adhere to. And if the mission it was to adhere to uh, having a competitive team on the ice, of course, the best path you would think is to try and re-sign these guys. I just think now that you've seen enough of it again this year and the vibe to start is not great after feeling so different in training camp that you, you've really got to consider some different things. Frank Cervalli from NHL Daily Faceoff joining us here, courtesy of South Trail Exports, Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. I brought up this point earlier, and it's something we talked about on this show uh, heading into the season. Oh, this team isn't bad enough to be a lottery team. Are we sure about that, Frank? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Look, uh, we are... Six, seven games into the season. Most teams haven't played 10% of their slate yet. There's a lot that can fool you in the first two to three weeks of a season. When you start getting into six and seven weeks, you can almost kind of lock it in that what they've shown you is what they are. Mm -hmm. But I think we've had a bunch of teams to start. I'll give you the Flyers are a great example of teams that have way overachieved that are going to come back to earth. 
Let's look at some of the other groups around the NHL. Uh, one of the biggest, well, I guess let's start with the Oilers. What are you seeing up there with the club and who is in trouble here? Is it as simple as wait till McDavid gets back and we'll go from there? Yeah, I think that's sort of what they're telling themselves, um, at least is my belief. Um, look, it, I mean, it is a pretty special player to say we're, we're waiting to come back in and inject some jet fuel into our lineup. But I think I'm telling you, it's really not all that dissimilar what's happened in Calgary to start than what's happened in Edmonton. Expectations were different. They were way ratcheted up cup or bust. I mean, how many times did we hear people say that you can't win a Stanley cup in October, but you can go a long way towards losing one uh, with the way that you come out of the gate. And the Oilers have had some adversity the last couple regular seasons. They haven't been exactly clean. Um, you mentioned hope. For me, one of their hope things is that their goaltending is good enough. Mm. Um, their bottom six really struggles. It's really one-dimensional. And their defense, they're shooting themselves in the foot night after night. It's not that the Oilers um, don't win games. It's that they lose some games on their own to start with some of the mistakes that they make. And the other uh, tie to these two teams as we head into Sunday is not just that they're from the same province, but that they haven't brought the the lunch pail mentality required to win in today's NHL. No one's just going to come in and hand you two points. It doesn't work like that. There's other teams out there that are hooking and jabbing, trying to stay off the ropes, and you're going to get the best effort from those teams night after night, especially when you're a team like the Oilers. And that's they just haven't lived up to it. That's the real simple answer. What can you tell us about the Shane Pinto situation in Ottawa? Where do you want to start? Well, uh, 41 games, what do we know as far as what he was betting on and how the 41 games got decided on? Also, does the suspension start right away or does it have to wait until he's signed? All good questions, so I'll answer the last one first. The suspension, uh, my understanding, again, this is all understanding because the league and the Sens have obviously not commented on any of this, but my understanding is that the suspension started with the Sens' first game of the season. It goes until late January, uh, so the 41st game of the year. He, he would technically, if he signed a contract then, would be eligible to return to the lineup on the 42nd game of the year. Um, what was he betting on? I think this is where we start to get into a gray area, but I'll tell you what I've heard. And the understanding is that they're not entirely sure that he bet at all unless he came clean as part of an investigation. But my understanding is the league and its betting partners as part of an integrity services, you know, agreement, they regularly sweep through the databases of betters with the names of professional athletes to see, hey, are there any matches here? Does so-and-so, is it possible that this person would have an account? And I believe what they came up with is a connection, and I don't know how, I don't know who it is, I don't know what the circumstance is, between Shane Pinto and some information to a third-party better or a proxy better 
And I think the question was, is, is Shane Pinto in control of that account or is the person whose name is on that account in control of that account? And I think that's sort of where it all stems from. If it's 41 games and if he didn't bet on hockey, why would it be 41 games then? I'm, I'm just kind of throwing it out there for you. Like, well, it, that's, like that, that's what kind of stinks my, to me my, here. If, my, if, it's a great question. Yeah, if he bet on the I, NFL, what what's the big asking. deal, right? So I agree with you, but I think, and I don't know the answer to this, but my assumption is it's always dangerous to play this game. My yes. assumption is that that <laughs> account, whoever was in control of it, at some point had must have wagered on hockey. Right. Yeah, this almost feels like, hey. Uh, it's the only logical assumption that you can make if all those other things that I said are true. Hmm. You almost wonder about, like, hey, telling a buddy, like, oh, yeah, so-and-so's dealing with an injury. Like, maybe don't touch a shot prop. I don't know. This is something that I'm fascinated to watch as this goes because, like, we've seen gambling suspensions in other leagues, but obviously this is the first one for the NHL in 41 games. Like, do you expect the NHL to clear this up and tell us what happened, or do you think they're going to just keep the whole thing with a blanket over it as usual? No, I think they're going to totally keep a blanket. I mean, you saw that state. You, yeah. you suspended a guy for 41 games and you gave us one sentence yeah. and then said, we're not commenting. I mean, that's their intention. And I think the most disappointing part for me is, and I'm sure this is what drives everyone crazy. There's no specific policy in place. Like if you go and you read my story yesterday on daily Faceoff, I outlined, here are the six things you can't do in the NFL. And here's the exact penalty for it. If you bet on another sport, you get six games minimum. It, it's, it happens. It's clear cut. If you bet on anything while you're in your team facility and they catch you, that's minimum six games. You bet on the NFL minimum a year. I mean, you can go through the whole thing and you know exactly what each violation brings you to think that you're going to just hand out a 41 game suspension. And, and I've got to be real clear here. Shame on the NHLPA unless they were presented with some indisputable evidence that we are, haven't been privy to to this point. Why are they not appealing this? This is precedent setting. You've now gone down a path where the next thing that happens, the league can come to you and say, oh, well, it was half a season for this. That means it's a full season for this or a quarter season for that. I mean, where do you draw the line? Optics-wise, isn't it kind of it's kind of funny that the league is taking all this money from these betting companies. And we're like, Whoa, like Shane Pinto slow down 41 games. I just think it's always just optically. I just think it always puts a smile on my face that the NHL is not cool. Like, if Shane Pinto I, does that, I, I, but I, then they're okay to take money from all these gambling companies. So Shane Pinto and the Ottawa senators last season had bet 99 <laughs> as their helmet sponsor. And yeah. so people were, you know, messaging me saying, why is this okay? I mean, the simple answer is this. It's okay to accept gambling money, and all of us are doing it. Let's be clear, sure. media and otherwise. Um, you can't bet on hockey. Yeah. And that's essentially what we think happened here. Even though they don't have evidence, that's why it's really easy or clear mm -hmm. to read into the NHL's one-sentence statement we have no evidence that Shane Pinto bet on NHL games but if if everything that I just told you is true then we do have evidence 
that someone with some connection to him bet on NHL games, but we don't know if he did it. So you have to be real, real careful in how you read it and interpret it. Right. Um, Frank Cervalli, uh, NHL Daily Faceoff, uh, will probably run into you in Edmonton on Sunday. We're looking forward to I'm it. Looking forward to it. Let's, uh, we'll, we'll see you there. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, there he goes, Frank Cervalli, courtesy of South Trail Exports. Uh, with inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SelfTrailExports.com. He's here. He's in studio. He's ready to fire out some red-hot flames takes. Brent Cron next. Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.